It's Monday, April 12th. This is Irish Illustrated Insider, Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Joined once again by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. And guys, I feel like we have a whole bunch of topics to speak of. You know, you talk about these three-minute videos, but we've now had seven practices. And that's 21 minutes of practice footage. And you see quite a bit. Um, And I think on Saturday... Uh, Cam Hart flashed in the video and Brian Kelly talked about him. Tim and I talked about this in our instant analysis on Saturday. Cam Hart emerging at cornerback, if that's absolutely true, is really, really good news for Notre Dame football. Yeah, there's a spot there, right? And uh, you know that you you don't you certainly don't want to hand it to Tariq Bracey because it's kind of what happened last year. It, it somewhat was handed to Tariq Bracey with Sean Crawford moving out of there. And uh there is not going to be an Irish fan, whether true or not, that doesn't want to see Cam Hart win that job because, as we always say, they have seen the warts of Tariq Bracey and we have not seen them of Cam Hart yet. But it's promising to have a guy of that frame um, on the boundary. And I think, I mean, the, the coaching staff, at least last year, when Clark Lee was the defense coordinator, thought they were, they were very particular about body types matching up and they, they didn't want to stray from that unless they absolutely had to. I thought they were going to probably have to with Bracey, um, you know, playing either that side or, you know, them moving Clarence Lewis over and maybe, maybe they won't with Clarence or with Cam Hart. I think that's, it seems, I'm not sure what to take away from Brian Kelly's commentary on Cam Hart, whether it's like Cam Hart is actually killing it right now, or they, they really, really want and need him to kill it right now. Um, I, I guess maybe both things are kind of true. Yeah, I was going to say it could be it could be a little bit of both. And he, he's not saying that Cam Hart's starter. And I I still expect Tariq Bracy to give them good football. He's a senior. Yeah. Um. You know, sometimes you you have to struggle to get better, and he certainly has had he's had his moments where he struggled. But I you know I, I just think you need that third. You definitely need that third corner in play, especially when that third corner is six two and a half two oh seven. And the head coach is speaking well of him. And it also allows the fourth player, like a freshman, or to emerge and not have to be thrown right into the Florida State game as he emerges. You know, if Philip Riley can come help them along the way, it's not like they're going to say, hey, Cam Hart's doing well. We kind of like Bracey. We're set. We're good. You guys are going down to the scout team. I mean, you need, you're going to need Philip Riley or someone else to show up. You just yeah, don't want to have to show Ramon up in Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. Ramon, <laughs> Ramon Henderson. Henderson. Yeah. We've seen Henderson with the second team. And it's going, it's going to be a fluid situation. It was a fluid situation after the season started last year with Tariq, ba- Tariq Bracey. It because it's the nature of the position. The position is set up for failure many times, and so you need bodies. But it's just good to hear, a, a you know, especially a six two and a half guy who now you know maybe gets it because it's a it's a difficult transition from offense to defense on this level. We spoke with Houston Griffith. Uh, Brian Kelly talked about Houston Griffith. What are your guys' thoughts on where he is right now? Uh, obviously, he's getting a ton of chances with the first unit. He didn't want to ask him about what led him to put his name in the transfer portal. He didn't want to talk about that. And I completely understand his perspective on that. I hope he could understand mine because it's just a curiosity as to what would uh, what would what prompted you to do that in the first place and what brought you back. Yeah, I mean, I thought in some ways he was revealing by refusing to answer it. Um, you know, where that clear clearly that he was in a, in a rough spot um, when he decided to leave sure. because in terms of the roster management and the opportunity in front of him, it, it really didn't make any sense right. uh, for him to, for him to depart on top of 
what he revealed about him being, you know, set to graduate at the end of the month. Um, so to, to leave before that was a, a bit baffling to me. Um, I'm not sure I've seen anything on tape to change my opinion one or the other, but I think you guys would agree with me. Like once it, once you get to your fourth year, um, just like I'll check back in September uh, yeah. to, to see how it's going, you know, and that, and that I would have felt that way about Asmar Bilal. I would have felt that way about Javon McKinley. Those broke broke to the good. So, you know, for Notre Dame's sake, you hope that Houston Griffith is, it has a similar story at the end. I thought, Two good things. Set to graduate is great news because, as we know, guys that graduate uh, and don't have to worry about school so much have tend to play better football at Notre Dame and everywhere else we found out along the way. Jerry Tillery is the number one example, but there's plenty of them that have talked about it. Some of them have said, I've graduated, so I don't need to worry about school, which is one of the better comments you get to see Notre Dame people cringe in the background when it is, when it is noted by the likes of Zeke Mata or someone. Uh, at number two, and I asked I ask him about it, nickel, corner, and safety. I mean, he should be able to know what is going on in a defensive secondary. And then you can let your athleticism take over and we'll find out if the aggression matches athleticism and IQ. That, the aggression. Ex- yeah. That's exactly it. Tim physicality is what I think everybody needs to see to see from him, especially Notre Dame. And, you know, I mean, I think you make a good point. I'll bring this up later as with regard to a question in segment two about age. I mean, sometimes the light bulb just goes on. Yeah. You have a new coach. You, you not only do you have a new coordinator, you have a new safeties coach. Maybe they can push buttons that the, the previous guys didn't. And, you know, if he can make progress and really establish himself as the, the, the top safety next to Kyle Hamilton, now he puts himself in a position where he may be, vi- it may be viable for him to play on the next level. And maybe he stays a fifth year to prove that because yeah, of COVID yeah. to prove it and to put himself in a better situation. So I'm, I'm not getting ahead of myself because I've probably been, as critical of his play as anybody in the last three years, but there's a possibility there and there is some talent and maybe a new group of coaches can tap into that. Right. And I think it's fair to point out when we talk about his physicality, just to put a bow on this for like five months, because you're not going to get to see him really hit in the blue goal game. If I said to you, Isaiah Pryor now gets it and can run. Nobody would say, is he physical enough? Cause we saw him on special teams, light people up. Good point. I see Houston Griffith on special teams, and he's a guy that's playing special teams. I, so that's that's part of it. I know he has not had the opportunity to be overly physical at safety necessarily if you're kind of being tentative as a backup, but he had every opportunity in the world to be physical on special teams. So that's where my concern comes from. I know, guys, if you don't know the defense, it's hard to be physical. Not not know the defense. If you're, if you're tentative, it's hard to hit someone. But on special teams, it's, just not, it's not hard to hit someone. It just isn't. <laughs> it should not be. It yeah. definitely should not be. I'm going to mention Zeke Corral right now in this segment, but I'm going to save the bulk of what we're going to talk about in the second segment because we have multiple questions. But Brian Kelly clearly stated that the center job is not exactly uh, being given to Zeke Corral. It's my understanding he didn't have a great day on Saturday, so it was fresh in Brian Kelly's mind. Um, but let's I, I, I just say that because I, I want to let everybody know we're going to talk plenty of offensive line in the second segment. But we saw Lindsey flash Saturday, mainly on his Twitter feed, uh, more so than the Nordian video that was put out. Lawrence Keyes continues to look good. You know, I, you know, I was the first one to say I didn't think Blake Fisher was going to have everything that he needed to compete this year. Man, the more you watch that guy, I still think he's a guard. I'll stick to that, but he's doing a hell of a job. 
at left tackle with Tosh Baker in the clips that we have seen, mainly as a pass blocker against probably Nordings' best pass rusher in Isaiah Foskey. I, yeah, I think Fisher has been, if not the biggest surprise of spring practice to me, then he's, no, no, he's the biggest surprise of spring practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to hedge that with like, maybe not the most impressive player, but like he's up there. Um, but it just in terms of players, you were just like, man, I did not see this coming at all. Uh, he is, he is a surefire number one for me at the moment. One thing I have with Fisher, it's positive. Uh, Brian Kelly says the you know, the early enrollees are getting more reps than they've earned. You actually can't keep doing that at offensive tackle if you want to run a scrimmage in a practice. So Blake Fisher is probably earning yeah. his reps. I you agree. I don't think, yeah. Team. Like, yeah. Yeah. That 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 I thought that comment was about guys on the second team. Yeah, you do not gift people first team reps, at, especially yeah. at tackle. I mean, against that line, you're just going to get what 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 can you even process as a quarterback or a running game if you're just going to yeah. put a guy that has no shot out there against that defensive line? So I think he's earned his. Yeah, I think yeah. The the he Brian Kelly made the comment, and a lot of guys haven't earned those reps. I don't think he was talking about Blake Fisher. Right. Right. I think he was talking about a lot of those. Um, you know, the guys in the secondary and in, in, in various places, defensive end, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he, Brian Kelly also, well, before I get to that, Riley Mills, really, I really, really like what, what we're seeing from him. And I don't know that, you know, it looks like he's trimmed down a little bit. I mean, I don't know that people fully realize this is a guy that's over, he is taller than he's like six, five and a quarter. This is a guy with great length, great size. He penetrates. He gets his hands up and knocks passes down. I, I think Jason Adamiola's looked very good, and he looks good in the number one role and will probably stay there a defensive tackle. But I think Riley Mills is really, really coming on strong. As someone who drove to Lake Forest to watch him yeah, work I was going to say, yes. Pete, Pete knows Riley Mills. You know, yeah, you know better than yeah. we do, having <laughs> seen him up close before we got him. big – and limber he was um and tall and long like pretty much i think that uh talking to people at notre dame when they were recruiting him they felt like they were pitching sort of a jerry tillery type role because he was tall and long and lean and you it's hard to find guys like that so you know you're a little bit like okay sure you're the next guy who's a first round pick and yet i think the way that he moves um the way he's able to sort of control his body is it's not out of the question that he will play like that. Um, I, he's, he would be high on my list of guys who have been impressive. So, well, you understand why he was a, I mean, list as a strong side end coming in because he's a really yeah. great combination yeah. of strong side end and defensive tackle. And I mean, I really think that they could pop him outside there. Just the, from what we've seen this spring, I think they could pop outside there. They're not going to do that because they need Adam Ayola and him to be the the tandem. I just I, I I wonder when I see MTA struggle a bit on pass rush as to whether maybe those two guys maybe MTA should have stayed inside uh, and Riley outside. But I'm not second guessing that. I, Riley Mills looks very good, uh, and I just I before we go to the second segment because I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to address these guys with the questions, but some of the other guys that maybe you guys can, can jump in here. Then some of the other guys that I've seen on film that, that, I, that I think are really standing out, um, you know, Aaron's burger at times, Alexander Aaron's burger at times, Brian Kelly mentioned uh, Howard cross. 
I think uh, Aiden K and I now the the redshirt freshman nose tackle shows up around the football a lot. Kane Barong has definitely flashed a tight end, and I was uh, saying that I didn't think that he would be ready to. And I'm not saying that he's going to play right away, but he's definitely flashed at times. And Gabe Rubio, their early entry defensive tackle, uh, finds his way around the football a lot too. I think did you mean to say only defensive linemen? Because you sure did list no, a lot of good defensive no, linemen. Know, think, I, about, think about that. You just listed. Well, I, le- I left one out because it's going to be in segment two. But, <laughs> but I mean, that is, that, that is the ultimate the strength of this team it in is. the pack of defensive linemen. It doesn't matter if they have an All-American on the team, like Jerry Tillery and Sheldon Day and all those guys. They are three and a half deep at some positions. The only one they're not, ironically, is from a couple years ago when they were like six deep at – Pass rushing defensive end Viper when <laughs> you just couldn't you couldn't get guys on the field you're thinking of redshirting a guy like Jameer Jones so that's the one to watch to see if uh, the duo there can emerge with everybody else. Who else would you guys throw out there as guys that that have impressed you in the seven practices? Three three guys that you did not mention that I think have impressed me uh, for various reasons. JD Bertrand I think has been around the football a lot. Uh, Chris Tyree in terms of the style of play feels different to me. Um, in terms of you know running through traffic, um, you know a little bit more theoretic ish. Um, Twenty twelve, and then Xavier Watts, uh, I think, has been really really good too. I'm just stuck on having that many defensive linemen that can play football. You, you don't. You re- I mean, if you seriously, if you say, well, their four best positions are going to be defensive tackle, nose tackle, strong side defensive end, and viper. I'm like, all right. Go play. Go play football. Cam Hart, you're going to look great. <laughs> Cam Hart's going to look so much better than guys that had to cover for an extra second and a half. It's, I mean, you, you if you have that good of a rush defense, your pass defense gets better. Yeah. It, it's really, I hope they're as good as it seems on film when you see them go against other players. Yeah, and Pete, the guys you mentioned, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I've written about them and talked about them. These are just guys that, like, over the weekend, it's like I haven't said enough about these guys and and yeah tim they just all happen to be (laughs) defensive line defensive linemen mostly interior defensive linemen and i bring it up just because i was looking for amusing here uh about spring football from what we've seen and i said hey let's do some stock up and i started out as like well strong side defensive ends look good and so is defensive tackle and so is nose tackle it's like well, all right that's good that's a good stock up right there we'll move on yeah i was going to talk about tyler buckner in this segment we obviously have quarterback questions in segment two we'll be right back with that Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Burning up the board, segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from DMB346. What has been the most encouraging development? Drew Pine's play at quarterback, Keys and Lindsey impressing Brian Kelly, or Cam Hart impressing Brian Kelly? I think the most important is Cam Hart. The most encouraging would be Lindsey and Keys because there's two guys that can really help the offense. Um, you need a core. I mean, you need another. We talked about Cam Hart in the first segment. They need they need more corners than Clarence Lewis to play. So encouraging is, is Cam Hart. Uh, if it's if Lindsey and Keys are talked about that way by Brian Kelly at the start of August. I'll be pretty happy about how things have, have gone and for those senior wide receivers that really needed to do something. I would agree. And I think that there's, there's video evidence of Keys and Lindsay that I think is more ubiquitous than Cam Hart. Like mm-hmm. 
I guess I haven't seen a lot of Cam Hart on the videos. Like I've seen him take reps. Uh, and as O'Malley, I think you said this on the last podcast as I was listening to it, it's pretty easy to make a receiver look good on a yeah. uh, state-sponsored highlight video. But um, we, there's been plenty of keys in Lindsay that has looked good. Yeah, Hart made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage on Saturday. Have right. we seen him make a play on the ball? No, but I'm, you know, I'm sure that he's done some good things with his length and being a little bit more comfortable playing the position now. That all makes sense. Drew Pine, I mean, I've liked what all three quarterbacks have shown. I, 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 I think I love. You know, I, I like to study throwing motions. I think Pines is just very uncomplicated and quick, and he gets rid of it. He's still going to have trouble seeing over the line of scrimmage like Ian Book, uh, but I think he's thrown a good ball, uh, and, and I think that's positive too because, you know, typical, you have Jack Cohn coming in as a grad assistant. You have Tyler Butner coming in early. Those are the two guys most people are going to yeah. talk about, but yeah. Drew Pine has definitely held his own. Uh, and Keys and Lindsey, I want to say what I want to say about them, but you said it, Tim, they're seniors and now's the time for them That's to time. make a move. Yeah. It and happens. that means that you need, you, you're not going to, I know we love the two tight end package and it's ability in the running game and all that. You need some wide receivers to make some plays this year. Yeah. You can't, I mean, they, they'll lose four games if their wide receivers are like last year, because it was the tight ends and running backs and offensive line and quarterback that made all the plays. Yeah. So you need receivers. And I would, I would pick as you uh, Cam Hart as, Important. as being yeah. the most important the most yeah. important of those three irish cowboy 88 have your sources thought jack Cohn has looked as good throughout practice as he's looked in the highlights what is he better at than expected and are there any issues coaches are worrying about with him is it wrong to think his longer than usual wind up combined with breaking in a brand new o-line plus him not being a natural escape artist could be a worry i don't um I mean, Brian Kelly said either Saturday or the previous Saturday that his arm is stronger than they anticipated. I don't know that we've necessarily seen that mm -hmm. per se, um, but I, but I'll trust him on that. I disagree with the premise of longer than usual windup. If you break him down frame by frame, the football doesn't come below like just armpit height as opposed to bring it behind him. He's long. He's six three and a half. So the 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 entire throwing motion is going to look a little bit longer. But I don't think he's winding up and taking a, a long time to get rid of it. Plus, he was a lacrosse player, and I think he's pretty mobile. If we're thinking Ian Book, you know, he's not that. No, but he's also he's three. He's also, <laughs> but he's also three plus plus inches taller. He was a lacrosse player. He's an athlete. Yeah, he's just not Ian Book. I would say, yeah, just any quarterback behind a brand new offensive line w is going to have some troubles. Um, and I do, I do think that has been, uh, you know, a bit of a, a consistent theme, probably more with the twos than the ones like that, that pocket gets tight fast um, with, with Notre Dame's number two offensive line right now. And like, it's, you know, the offensive line is just not going to be as good as it was last year. So whether you've got a super fast release or you're Michael Vick back there, you're, you're going to have to make decisions quickly. And um, where are we in, in the place where you're consistent, going back to what we said in segment one, the place where you're consistent, consistently seeing pressure on a quarterback starts in the middle of the line. That's where they're getting, you yeah. know, the best push, because I think Fisher's done it from, again, from the clips that we've seen, he's done a pretty good, darn good job on mm -hmm. Foskey most of the time. So um yeah, I don't 
I mean, I don't think that there are any major red flags for the coaching staff with Jack Cohn. He's, he's an accomplished, capable quarterback that can lead Notre Dame to double-digit victories if everything else falls into place. Wreckers 33 hot. How should we interpret Brian Kelly's comments about Zeke Corral? Is he just encouraging competition, or does this signal even further concern with the offensive line? No. Kelly did try to say, I'm not just encouraging competition through the media. <laughs> uh, I do think it's good that he, has, that he states it, though, because I mean, let, let's say, Tim, you heard that maybe Corral did not have a great practice on Saturday, and that could be part of why Brian Kelly brought it up. It also was brought up because Zeke Corral was coming out for interviews. And if the kid wasn't coming out for interviews, Brian Kelly wouldn't have gone off on saying, we don't, we don't know who our starting center is yet. It's We asked about Zeke Corral as the starting center. We presume it. Um, Jarrett Patterson's a better center than Zeke Corral. So is Jarrett Patterson going to be a better setter than Zeke Carell compared to what he would be at tackle versus the next guy? And I think that's what it comes down to. But if you stick Jarrett Patterson at center, you have one position all set. And that's Kelly's point right now. I think for Zeke Carell not to start at center, one, I would be be shocked. Um, But for that to happen, you would need Patterson to start at center. And then you would need – either lug to stay at tackle and then to discover a new guard, or you would need Baker and Fisher both to win jobs. And I don't think it's realistic to think that Baker and Fisher are better tackles than Corral as a center. Did you you hear our plan last week, Pete, for the uh, alternating tackle position, much like Hainsey and Kramer to use Fisher and Baker as a. I did did hear that. I wondered who was playing the role of uh, (laughs) Nelson on the other side of the line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, those spots have not been filled yet. No, uh, that's fine. You know, I mean, I think a couple things we need to keep in mind with Corral. I mean, he made two starts last year as a redshirt freshman, which is most of the time, unless you're a real standout offensive lineman, you don't start to emerge until your third year in a program, which is right now for, right. for Zeke right. Corral. So he's had two career starts. He was injured in between those two career starts. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that, yeah, I think when you have Jarrett Patterson standing out there at practice, it's easy to look at him and say, damn, we could put him at center and know that we have a great center. Right. And I, and I get that, but I agree with both of you guys. I think Corral will end up being the starting center. It would be strange. It would be strange, Tim. I mean, because he's got to be the sixth best overall lineman, if not the fifth. Let's say he's the sixth. You still want him starting at center because he can play the position in Patterson. It's right. And you wouldn't, I mean, I don't think they'd be comfortable putting him at guard, would they? No, I don't. no, I don't. That, I mean, that's another part of it. It's like, right, right. It's if he's not starting at center, he's not playing, and they they like him way too much. So I think, Priester, what you're saying is is probably the most relevant thing here. Is like if you heard they had a bad practice on Saturday or like wasn't great, that's probably what drove the commentary from Kelly more than any sort of. That's up- exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. That's yeah. exactly yeah. the point. It, it, so it's it's a it it may I don't maybe it was an overreaction on Brian Kelly's part, but it's probably more an overact or overreaction on our part if we take what Brian Kelly said completely to heart. Yeah, yes. yeah. B man, two thousand seventeen. Has the coaching staff started to narrow down legitimate contributors in the secondary and the offensive line? I mean, the offensive well, I line. I, the offensive line you don't have, I mean, you've practiced seven times without the five starters you had last year. I, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think they're, look, certainly you're developing 
you're developing thoughts in your mind as to who can help and who can't. But man, this is seven practices in without, you know, without any of your starters other than corral two games. So that, you know, it, it, that's going to be fluid and it should stay fluid through the spring into the summer. And then you make your decisions in the first two weeks of, of August in the secondary. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much they're narrowing it down until you get Chance Tucker in here. Um, you need to see more from Barnes and, and Riley. Walters seems to pop up in the videos, but again, we don't know whether he's actually earned those reps, although he's made a whole bunch of plays from what he's seen, what we've seen. I have a good exercise for the, <laughs> for the narrow it down thing. You guys stop me if you're shocked if one of these offensive linemen ends up starting next year. Okay. Not, not your prediction. He's going to start. You're just shocked. Zeke Carell, Dylan Gibbons, Garrett Patterson, Josh Lug, Tosh Baker, Blake Fisher. Nobody's shocked, right? Nope. They've nope. narrowed it down to six. Cause are you going to be a little shocked if it's Quinn Carroll, John Dirksen or Andrew Kristoffic that starts? It's probably a, Bad that shock, but surprise, very surprised. Well, I mean, it's right? probably a bad sign because of the guys that you mentioned first. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, an yeah. injury situation. I want to. I want to say that I think, I think Dylan Gibbons has played, has done some really, really good things this spring, and, um, you know, I think, I think Fisher is a potential threat if Baker wins the the one tackle spot um, to maybe sliding inside, but. I think Dylan Gibbons is making really, really good progress. Tim and you and I both thought that when he played last year, he did a decent job. He's not real. He's not real mobile laterally, but you know, I thought he did a really good job against Florida state uh, against the run, especially. And now of course, you know, the problem with last year putting in Dylan Gibbons is you start comparing him to like Aaron Banks, who was playing the position before and things along those lines. I think he'll look, I, I think he'll handle his business against the run and, he will have to improve against the pass. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Florida State gets after you know they have the talent. They they could get after the passer when they when they are so inclined. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Dylan Gibbons is in his fifth year, and and Blake Fisher's four seasons behind him. Now, I I, sh- I probably shouldn't even say Fisher because he's clearly emerging. He's a unique but, talent. Yeah, yeah, he really is. But I mean, you look Spindler, at a fifth year senior. I mean, yeah. Spindler worked with the first team on Saturday, yeah. and that and and. and same principle applies. I don't think that he was getting first team reps. So because Brian Kelly was just being nice. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that he's been as physically imposing as 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 Fisher has been. No, I, I've no, just been no, he's I not. Mean, but still I, Fisher Fisher has <laughs> Fisher's I think has been really, really impressive. My uh, point of that exercise was the secondary. I wouldn't be shocked. You could throw some names out there and be like, oh yeah, it turns out he was better. Yeah, turns out he was better. Yeah, DJ Brown. Sure, whatever. I mean, there. I just feel like there's. I know there's not as many guys, but none of them. No, and you got. I mean, just, me. I mean, to be man, twenty seventeen. I mean, it, it's spring practice, and you you try as a coaching staff, you try not to make too many definitive statements, and you know, you you yeah. just you got you especially when you don't have your five starting linemen from the uh, year before. You just gotta you've got to leave that open ended and. And I like the fact that Brian Kelly's given. I thought it was a great point about play, uh, giving the early entry freshman opportunities. You got to throw him a bone because otherwise, you know, I, he may, I, it's a good point. Why, why bring him in if you're not going to practice him? So I think that's a good idea. And you, you need to be flexible, especially in offensive line at this stage of the rebuild. 
Maddie, more offensive line. More offensive line, Tim. Go ahead. Yes. Matty Hebs, Matty Hebs 14. Who do you guys feel will be the top offensive lineman this season? Will it work out positionally where the top five offensive linemen start? Or will there be a situation where there are three tackles for two spots? The number one thing I feel is that six offensive linemen will start has nothing to do with injuries. Does that make sense? At least six yes. offensive linemen yes. will start. Nothing to do with injuries. That's the best way I can look at it right now. And that means it'll probably be a seventh, right? Yeah. I, I, you sort of look at it and think, all right, it's Patterson's a tackle and then it's Baker or Fisher, but I bet both will play. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me if both started. Uh, Correll at center, Lug at guard, and then some mix of Gibbons, Spindler, um, Christophic, like none of those would surprise me. So yeah, it's like how, how many different offensive line combinations Notre Dame plays this year, I think is going to be pretty fascinating. Like where does Michael Carmody fit into all that? Um, you know, I think physically he, I'm not a, a technician of offensive line uh, approaches here, but like physically he looks big like he is a large human being um you know can they get something out of that so it's um i don't know we're just offensive line is just it's going to be analyzed and picked apart to death from now until december yeah i want to do i i started thinking in my thursday thoughts last week and i want to do this i want to i, I need to remember to do this on a, on a i don't know every few weeks well although we won't do it during the, the summer but um you know who do you think right now who do you think will start against Florida State? But how will you feel about that, you know, two months from now or one week into August practice or two weeks in August practice? It's a very fluid situation. But right now, if I had to predict, and it's way too early to, to predict, I would say Patterson at left tackle, Gibbons at left guard, Corral at center, Lug at right guard, and Baker at right tackle with Fisher the next man in. Yeah, so we all say over 6.5 starters on the offensive line without injury. Do we say over seven? No, I don't. You, you, well, say, I push, don't you say push I mean, seven? <laughs> Just well, I mean, seven. I think, you know, a guy like Dirksen has to, he's got to be really, really consistent. And yeah. the word has always been that he hasn't done that. Kristoffic, uh, I mean, I think at 292, that's just not big enough at guard at this level. So he he needs to come back. He needs to have a great summer and be, <laughs> I mean, you'd like to think 305, but 13 pounds between now and then for an offensive lineman, it's got to be, you got to make sure it's good weight and not, you know, not bad weight. Uh, question from Buck Dancer, talking a little recruiting here. Better prospect, DJ Wesselak or Darren Agu, who is a, uh, I probably probably should have mentioned him in the first segment, a recent verbal commitment to Notre Dame. Well, I mean, they did offer Wesselak first. So I think I'd have to go with Wesselak. Um, <laughs> you know, based, I I, based on that, but that doesn't mean that Darren Agu is a bad prospect. I mean, I think they're – I was surprised that the word from – I think Tom Lloyd reported this, that it was like, well, we spot's full, basically. I was, I was surprised that that seemed to be the vibe for this. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying about Wesselak being uh, – offered first but I think Agu is a I mean they're just kind of finding out about this guy born in what born in Ireland mm -hmm. grew up in England you know he's kind of he's new to the United States so I don't know I think that plays a role in as to when they were offered but 
you know, I don't know. I think they're both very good prospects. Notre Dame's got one, the other one, apparently they're not going to recruit anymore in May. And maybe they're not recruiting him anymore because he didn't continue to, did he name a top 15? Did I, I see saw, that? I saw he was going to name a top 15, but then surprisingly 15. I didn't click on it for some reason. I don't know why. A top 15? <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> I decided what? not to, not to go there. <laughs> <laughs> top 15. It's pretty, I mean, that's, He's just a kid, man, and he's doing yeah. what he's got to do as a recruit, but nobody's considering 15 schools, for crying out loud. What do you uh, think about uh, that? Chris Martin Jackson, What do you think I mean, about that? Yeah. Chris, Chris Martin might have considered 15 schools. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, li- I like them both. I think Westlake maybe, you know, just from an experience standpoint, is further along technically, fundamentally, but, man, the more you watch a goo, I mean, fundamentally, he's catching up real, real quickly. And that frame is long, and he's quick, and he's really good, too. Let's get out of the hypothetical and just go back to the Pete Sampson comment. If you're bringing in three defensive ends and Agu is one of them, he is 100% a take because he could really get a lot better than he looks right now. Yeah, no doubt. No he was doubt. The loan off, if he was the loan, then Wesselak is the one you had to get, right? If there was no Ford and no Gobera, then we would not be saying. Well, and they're still Agu involved with Cyrus Moss, which yeah. may have a lot to do with why we were surprised by the comment by Tom Loy that that Westlake's out. They're not going, you know. Oh, so. sign them all. Yes, yeah, well, that's exactly. right. Always no, right. That's exactly right. And Cyrus Moss is, you take him if he tells you Heck yes. a month after <laughs> the signing he wants to come. ND Squid 23, going into 2019, the linebackers were a huge concern until they became a strength of the defense. Going into 2020, the running backs were a huge concern until they turned into a strength of the offense. Which unit will repeat this trend in 2021? The wide receivers, the offensive line, or the secondary? Between the wide receivers and secondary, and it's because the secondary has an All-American and a really good sophomore, I think. i got to go secondary because they have an All-American and a really good sophomore. And their, and their worst safety that might start was rated number 72 in the country coming out. <laughs> He's played a lot of football. So i gotta go, I got to go secondary, starting with the building block there. I totally agree. I I would have a hard time arguing. I couldn't argue for the offensive line. Um, and I would have a difficult time getting to wide receiver because it would involve like 13 games of Kevin Austin. Um, but the secondary, I could, it's pretty easy to make that. Argument. Yeah. I, I mean, it, when you, when you mention <laughs> an all American Kyle Hamilton, it's pretty hard for me to make an argument, although I will try here. And, yes. and that's because, of this because Braden Lindsay's a senior, Joe Wilkins is a senior, Lawrence Keyes is a senior, and Kevin Austin is a senior. And I realize that there's a whole bunch of things that have prevented them from right. emerging up to this point, but I like that senior base. They've been in the program, they understand, they've had the same receivers coach. Um, you know, they've they've they're now in the second year with the offensive coordinator. I don't know. I like all those seniors. I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying about the right. secondary with Kyle Hamilton there. And then you see some things. You see what a smooth operator Jordan Johnson is. We don't get to see a whole bunch of them, but you can see what a smooth operator he is. And getting back to your point, Pete, from the, the first segment, Xavier Watts looks pretty good, whether it's making a diving stretched out grab or throwing a key block. I don't remember which practice it was now. Uh, man, it takes a long time to go through that three-minute video, doesn't it? Yes. When you're writing a film review of that, yeah, it's, then it's then it's nuts. Yeah, holy cow, <laughs> it takes a long time. But and then, well, then and then Saturday, people were pointing out. I didn't see Drew White on the sideline, 
And so I encourage our readers, yeah, go, go ahead and get a thread started while I take the time to go over it. And then I'll double check to see what I missed by watching you guys. Because when you're I'm three minutes and it's the camera's up close and it runs, it, it, it's quick and it's hard to stay up with it. And then I'm not seeing everything that's every guy that's standing on the sideline either. We desperately need the pirated Kendall Abdur Rahman uh, video of himself, where you can see absolutely everything that's going on in the field for his entire highlight video, because that would really show us some stuff for three minutes. But I don't think I don't think they're gonna go that. I don't think they're gonna go that route. Do you? They <laughs> definitely, change. they definitely are not. There, it is very intentional. I know people say it's so hard to follow the video. That's done on purpose. <laughs> That's a good point. That's done on purpose. ND1 Cubs 1. A common question during spring ball is which players are jumping out. He's right about that. And performing <laughs> well. My question is, which players have you not seen or heard much about that you would expect, excluding the injured players? For example, I have not seen or heard much about Shane Simon. Is he sliding on the depth chart? Shane Simon's pretty prominent with the first team at linebacker, hasn't he? I mean, he's... He, yeah, I, I, I have Le trouble. Leofau gets out there, too. Yep. I, you know, we haven't interviewed him. We haven't necessarily written anything about him but he's been fairly prominent out there uh i think this is a good question i'm i'm sure the guy i'm going to, going to throw out there is not somebody you're going to mention but where's jay burnell i we haven't seen him i know that there were some i think there was some contact tracing issues there or, and i i don't want to talk about that because i don't really know but i know that he was involved in that in the fall as well so um we haven't seen we, I, we haven't seen him at all. And he was a guy that I thought you know, I, I've liked him. I mean, I liked him coming out of high school. I thought he was explosive off the, off the line of scrimmage, but uh, Isaiah Pryor, I, we haven't heard a whole bunch about, I, I know the Kaiser seem to be getting a lot of the reps at Rover. We don't really know what defense are in many times because the camera angle is so tight. Uh, but those would be two guys that I would, that I would mention right away. You know, AJ Brown, maybe just because of Houston Griffith, it doesn't yeah. seem like he's saying they are battling, battling, battling. He like Brian kind of likes to use battle for anything that's a somewhat close race for the last dozen years, you know. So I haven't. We probably got to ask about DJ Brown. We asked about Houston Griffith. Yeah, I know. I'm sure DJ Brown that. doesn't like that Michael Mayer matchup because we've seen a lot of video. <laughs> yeah, work. you could you could have a really rough practice. How was that's Griffith a, today? Yeah, well, I mean, it I'm was not, pretty I, bad, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to judge a player based upon trying to defend Michael Mayer. That's right. just not fair. Uh, I, a guy that I thought I was super intrigued by, Kevin Ballman, has not really been um, all, all that. Yeah, we see a lot of George Takis, but yeah, you know, you know, almost see more. I mean, and I say more of Kane Barong. I mean, like two clips of him, but mm -hmm. like uh, Kevin Ballman has not not been in a lot of the videos to date. So that I would agree. Yeah. I would. I, that's a little surprising to me. I would agree with that. I think uh, you might have made a good point, though, Tim, with uh, where you, you were saying Takis would emerge. He just has an obvious role in that he can he he's clearly the number one in line tight end. That's not Michael yes. Mayer. I don't know. And the number one detached tight end that's not Michael Mayer is ten slot receivers. So that's yeah. I think yeah. Bauman and just probably you know, behind again those George Takis, a senior, six six two forty five, been in the program, has caught the ball well when he's had an opportunity. I'm sure he still regrets not scoring against North Carolina late in the game when his teammates gave him, gave him a lot of hell for what did he do? He kind of like dove early for the, the goal line before he got there. But no, he's been really prominent, uh, mainly as a blocker. Uh, Kevin, yeah, Kevin Ballman surprises me too. I thought we'd see a little bit more of him. And, and again, three minutes of, of film yeah. from two hours. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this is probably good because you mentioned the Lindsay clip in the first segment, like, 
you saw those clips from Lindsay and you're like, well, why didn't they put that in the three minutes? Because if they put that in the three minutes, I think like the general population would be like, man, Braden Lindsay is killing it. Um, but those plays happen too. We just only saw them into <laughs> the mount. I want to say it because I have to say it every week. I don't even look at the Drew Pine, Jack Cohen highlight clips because I want to see how many times Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese had to stop practice by saying, how did you not see that blitz pickup coming right there? And that is not going on Notre Dame's video. No. And you're not seeing the one where he grounds the ball when someone's open by three yards well, over the middle. For example, the throw, the great catch that Lindsey made, the one-handed grab behind him, that was thrown by Pine. Uh, we didn't see, we haven't seen any of those, it's just uh, pro, you know, produced by by uh, by Notre Dame either. So, um, question from Sigils: Rank in order the most likely starting secondary for Florida State? Okay, now let's just look these over. We got to listen. We got we have to listen closely here. Okay, so uh, A, Hamilton and Griffith at safety, Lewis and Bracy at corner. B, Hamilton and DJ Brown at safety, Lewis and Hart at corner. C, Hamilton and Griffith at safety, Lewis and Hart at corner, Hamilton and Brown at safety, Lewis and Bracy at corner. That's probably got everybody confused. It's yeah, I, I think you just got to get my guesses are Griffith and then I would have a harder time guessing Bracy and Hart. Does that make sense? I think no, but like the most. Like the <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Griffith and Hamilton are the safeties. Yeah. And Hart are the corners. Okay. I would, I would, yeah, I would definitely agree with Hamilton and I think Hamilton will start this year. What do you guys think? We'll replace somebody. (laughs) That's what I was saying. Replace either Hart or Griffith, who you have to replace. And that's kind of answering his question. You got to take one of them out to lose to the other guy. Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, Bracey's going to be in there. They cannot, they cannot, you know, you can't just say, okay, Hart, it's your job. I mean, Bracey has to stay in the mix, and they probably yeah. need to use Bracey and Hart both throughout the season. And then you need a freshman corner. Maybe that's Chance Tucker. I don't know. He certainly has looked really good in the spring season. Yeah, we season. need to point that out because, Pete, this is your favorite topic. Not every early enrollee is going to play by the time the summer comes. Right. <laughs> but Clarence Lewis did not enroll early last year. Ramon Henderson and Caleb Offer did. Now I know they lost all of spring. But Clarence but Lewis is the guy that started. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton, he didn't enroll early. Mike, Mike, a little different. A little, little different. <laughs> There's a slightly different situation there. From Wash ND, could Notre Dame have a sleeper player in Nana Osafa Mensa? He has flashed in a lot of highlights and looks like a monster physically. When I was listing all the defensive linemen in the first segment, I purposely left him out because he has looked very good. Now, you have to keep in mind it's threes versus threes. But still, I mean, he's, you know, he's coming. He was coming off a pretty significant knee injury. Uh, and had not impressed prior to that that knee injury in his first year, or or, or prior to that. So uh, it's three it's threes versus threes, and offensive line is really in a bad situation like that. But I think Nana Safa Mensa has definitely flashed in the I, I think in at least three of the vi- of the seven videos that we've seen. I think that's that's a different question answer than do they have a sleeper player? Cause I, I'm not sure where the reps would come for him this year. Right. Yeah. If he could get, um, they haven't really played three strong side ends, but that's because they didn't have them. They have played three Vipers. It's a pass rushing role. It's harder to get third team reps at strong side defensive end. Cause you're not part of the package, the dime and nickel that the Vipers are. Good point. But if he could get a hundred reps that he's helped the team. 
100 snaps, these really help the team. I mean, that would be a lot. That would be a high-end snaps, of course, for the number three yeah. strong side. But, boy, you would really help the team with that. Yeah, that would be tough. But at least he's at least it looks like he's making progress, yeah. whereas all the reports we had heard prior to that was that he was not. So, and he looks great physically. Everybody's noted that. So, that's uh, that's probably He's got a lot of time left in his career at Notre Dame, potentially. CMU Pence fan, the coaching staff seem to be sending – a message to Isaiah Foskey that he needs to get better. What do you think is holding him back from the next level? Uh, when I asked Brian Kelly about that, that was not the answer I was expecting at all. <laughs> no, I didn't either. I was like, oh boy, here goes this story. <laughs> I felt your pain, Pete. <laughs> I was like, huh. Because um, I do, th- I think Isaiah Foskey is a critical, critical player um, if Nurnham's defense is going to be very good. So, Again, maybe at a Zeke Carell style yeah, practice. Um, there are quite a few clips, if you watch, of him getting handled by Blake Fisher, which is not, you know, I, I realize Blake Fisher is good, but that's, he's a, a junior versus a high school kid. Um, you know, so that's not what you're looking to have. I, I don't know. I was, I was surprised by that. I don't, I, I don't think the coaching staff needs to send a message through the media to Isaiah Foskey. Um, as far as what's holding him back, I don't know. Because, uh, I mean, you look at him, I don't – like, who who on this team looks better just physically than Isaiah Foskey? I'm yeah. not sure anybody comes to mind. I have a couple thoughts, Tim. Sorry to cut you off. That's all right. Um, we heard last summer – I think, Tim, you heard last summer – that Foskey was one of the guys that was going to suffer the most from not having spring ball with Elston last year. Uh, last year's spring, like, that was a developmental period he didn't have. Um, you know, you could be playing catch up there a little. Number two, look, maybe we take Isaiah Foskey at his word and Brian Kelly wants to see him play the new role of Viper where you're dropping more. Um, I looked it up for musings. He dropped 25 times last year. Pete, I thought it was a lot more. Um, he was so good at it. I know, I know, but maybe it's like part of, maybe it was an assignment last year where like you are dropping and covering this guy out of the flat and now you're dropping into a zone blitz and you have he to do covered Travis Etienne. Yeah. <laughs> he did he did so anyway uh I throw that out there maybe he's just has maybe they want him to be an all-around player instead of he was a package player last year yeah I just think I mean I don't know that anything is particular particularly holding him back he's in a great position now to be Nordame's number one pass rusher and he's getting a bunch of reps I think you know he probably needs to be stronger I, we see him matched up with Fisher and Fisher's Fisher's a big dude, man, and it's hard to get around him. So, I mean, maybe beat – this is more of a big-end thing, but maybe beat people physically with strength off the edge a little bit more. And it, 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 could I – I mean, I feel like I've done Zeke Corral a disservice talking about the practice Saturday. I don't know for a fact that he had a bad practice per se, uh, but, you know, I mean, Brian Kelly – was dis- expressed a little bit of disappointment on Saturday. And so, look, I feel like I threw Zeke Corral under the bus. I wasn't there. I don't, I don't, I don't know that for sure. I, but I honestly think, Tim, there's probably some bad time before Zeke Corral might not have had a great practice. And he was the guy that happened to come out for interviews. And everybody's like, oh, great. Now we're going to ask questions. Yeah, otherwise we wouldn't, that, we wouldn't have wouldn't asked have been, about We would never ask yeah, about Zeke no. Corral. And we all agree that we think Corral's going to be the starter yeah. in the fall. So, Anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to clarify that. We got a quick one here, uh, but we should say it's for listeners. Jim underscore booty CRA. Should we be concerned about Drew White not being in video clips? Yeah, it looked like he had a brace on his right ankle, foot, ankle uh, the other day. We haven't seen him, so he's been out. And I think Tom Loy said that they expect him to be out 
for the rest of the spring. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a break. I think it's a probably a really major high ankle sprain. Okay. So really a, a major sprain. Look, does Drew White need to take, <laughs> do they need to see Drew White take extra reps in, in spring practice? Absolutely not. He's proven himself in a game. He's a warrior. Um, so he'll be fine. No biggie. ND band 94, a little break from football. What are your opinions on the, what the baseball team is doing this year? Pretty yeah. A lot, real quickly, a lot of people have asked about, you know, is this, is this the new head coach? Well, uh, yeah, he was new last year too. And they went 11 and two and swept North Carolina at North Carolina. He is a great coach and they are basically doing this with the personnel that he inherited outside uh, specifically of some grad student pitchers who have done a great job, including J.D. Bertrand's brother, John Michael, who unfortunately has a little bit of a sore uh, arm and, and didn't pitch over this weekend. But Link Jarrett is a great coach, and I hope he can stay around from Notre Dame for, for quite some time. But they have the second-best record in the ACC, like .006 behind Louisville. They're legit. They have gaps in their lineup, in their batting order, and that will show at some point this season. But Link Jarrett's a great coach, and he's doing it mainly with the team that he inherited. SR5452, <coughs> seems like the QB competition between Cone and Pine. That is the QB competition. What does the future hold for Brendan Clark? Well, he's hurt, man. He's hurt right now. He has no, you know, Brian Kelly said a couple weeks ago that June, July, before he gets back into doing things on the field. So, and then with, with Tyler Buckner in there, it's one of those situations where, I'm not exactly sure what path there is to playing time, especially right now, as long as he's recovering from knee surgery. The tough, uh, the tough deal. But I mean, look, this is this is the business of business end of college football. Um, sometimes injuries have, they're not always career ending, but they can be career altering. Yeah. Um, Good way of putting it. Brendan Clark might be in that ball right now. We'll see. It has always been the business end of college football quarterback at Notre Dame or any program like it too. They don't all, yeah. they don't all play. Yeah. And we live in an environment now where you don't have to play just to play. You could leave and play. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there, yeah. there, there's, there's no hesitation. I'm not saying that Brendan Clark's going to leave, but he's just in a really bad spot now. It's impossible to predict his future yeah. at Notre Dame right now. I'm not saying that either, but I mean, we said a year ago and it was as blunt as possible. Someone's not finishing their career at Notre Dame out of Pine Clark and Buckner. Cause no one does. Yeah, look. I mean, those quarterbacks, quarterbacks. There's no such thing in this world for 20 years, right? Yeah, um, there's, it's there's not a new development. Like you know, 40 years, 40 years. Ago, <laughs> yeah, it's Jared Clark and Zach Kustak. Yeah, like, it's been a minute. A uh, question from Nails Two B. I'm guys that are Tim. I'm eliminating the second part of this question. Yeah, right. Uh, so we'll go with: Is the likelihood of Drew Pine beating out Jack Cohn becoming more of a possibility? I feel like it's one of those things where it's more of a possibility now than it was when spring started, but it's a long way from a likelihood. You know, it's like it went from a 5% chance to a 15% chance. One of those things. My take on the quarterback situation right now, only seeing practice clips and losing Ian book and I am the offensive line. More importantly is that I am more confident Notre Dame's backup quarterback than I was at any point in the winter. And That's I have rough. nothing else to say about the starting quarterback because I got to see some something first. Yeah, I, I don't. Assume it's yeah, you know, like the first question we had about him, are there any red flags? There aren't. So how in the world does Drew Pine beat him out before they start playing games? I, 
it's just really difficult to do. He has, Cone has the size, he has the experience. It's going to be really difficult. So it's not, I agree, greater probability than we had expected. Maybe greater probability than than the coaching staff expected. I mean, I, he would have to be so much better to start at Tallahassee at night on Labor Day Sunday. I don't know. I just don't know the path to that. It's just the nature of the game and the position and practices because quarterbacks don't get hit anymore. They haven't been hit for a long time yeah. in practice. Yes, I remember when quarterbacks would get hit in practice. Uh, that'll never happen again. BK used to. It wasn't that long. BK used to let him get hit. And then somewhere along the way, it was, we're not going to let our quarterbacks get hit anymore. I, re- I remember he said one of the quarterback competitions was, we got to get these guys hit. They haven't been hit. And it was in, and he okay. was meant he's going to hit them in April, but they do not do that anymore. Anywhere. Uh, all right. We'll finish up today with a question from Rob Ebert. And that is when Jack Cohn is participating in drills during practice, are they then technically a cone drill? <laughs> I will leave that one for Pete. <laughs> I'm not sure that maybe not all of our listeners know what we're referring to, but there was a time when the only time uh, Jack Freeman had an opportunity to, to video practice was when they had the orange cones out there and then that's we right. had to leave. So uh, that's the, the, the 20 minute glory there. of uh, practice when you show up and see them stretch, right? Oh, appropriate pun uh, and must be credited Tyler James, even though I'm upset that he tweeted it first, is that we have a pine cone competition. That is something that is just, we could keep doing that all year, branching out to, and you know, you know well, and take roots. We had five years of we you had five, Brian Kelly about it. I mean, there's all sorts of good stuff. We had five years, and we used every imaginable book pun. Yeah, five no, years, by the way, nice. Right, it's like he started all five years too. We we're just writing about them the whole time. So now it's time we move on to the cone drill and the pine cone drill. I'm not as clever as you guys, so I'll wrap it up with that. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us. How long have you been a Notre Dame fan? When was your first game? And do you have an interesting game story to tell? I'm Len Clark of the Notre Dame Football Heritage Project, a project to document the Notre Dame football fan experience. Commemorate your first game or your loyalty to the Fighting Irish with a Notre Dame Football Heritage Project certificate. To learn more, go to ndcertificate.com.